What is up? Welcome to Over the Top. We're back with another Premier League podcast, and it's official, guys. 2020's drunk and needs to go home right now because Tottenham sit on top of the Premier League. Can't believe I'm saying that. Real quick before we get into it, if you like the pod, please share with your friends and uh, go over and follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Over the Top EPL and on Instagram also at Over the Top EPL. All right, enough of that. I'm Kyle, and I've got my favorite Lester guy, Justin, here. Stop the count, Kyle. Stop the count. Tottenham is on top of the table. We don't need to see anything else. It's over, because I say it, it is. Is Stop the Count still uh, has, uh, trending on, on Twitter right now? Oh, God. Gotta get yeah, on that. I mean, maybe on Parlor, Kyle. <laughs> like A-Chan or something. <laughs> yeah, Whoever I don't know. Whoever races online now. But yeah, isn't that crazy? Tottenham, after nine, some eight, nine matches played, they sit tied atop of the Premier League table, Kyle. It's... Uh, it's a crazy year for a lot of different reasons. That might be the craziest. Who knows? Um, Understatement of the century. You, you right painted there. me as a Leicester lover. They did not have a good week, which we'll get to in a few minutes. But, you know, they're my adopted team since my uh, my love, Swansea City, can't muster up the courage to come play with the big boys. But we'll did see what happens. Justin says, my love, Swansea City. Just let that sink into you guys right now for a second. I mean, you know. Love's temporary, right? Isn't that the saying? <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, real quick, uh, before we get into the games, um, big news came out today, recording on Monday, the 23rd of November, and it came out earlier today that uh, in the UK, fans are going to be back in Premier League stadiums starting December 2nd on this sort of tier-based system, uh, according to, you know, the tiers are set up according to how prevalent COVID is in their areas so that's really exciting that's actually only two match weeks away um and even if it's four thousand fans in game hey i'm all about it yeah i mean if they can set up a reasonable way to socially distance fans inside the huge stadiums i mean think of like the empty hot or the emirates or those types of stadiums where it's, it's just bigger <laughs> uh whereas fulham right like four thousand seems pretty crowded i mean not i mean it holds more than that but it's a small stadium and so yeah. if you can socially distance fans in a way where there's like, you know, only immediate households are together and then there's like a few rows in between them, I think it's great. I mean, we've started doing similar things in the U.S. Uh, some states probably have too many fans in stadiums, which is you can pick and choose what states those are. But there's probably that. But there's also like you can probably fit a little bit of fans in there and still be in outdoor stadiums and away from each other. So um, I think that's great. And, you know, we've had no home field advantage effects really this entire premier league i mean it's been in every sport but premier league you often see tactics change from the road team going in and Mm -hmm. you know that less less they're trying to not impose their style as much and so coming back in and seeing that or the the raucous uh old trafford if you will or anfield going and being scared to play there i don't know it could start to slowly make its way back no doubt. And I was, you know, you mentioned tactics real quick. And um, I'm thinking about a certain team and a certain manager who would uh, deploy defensive tactics that maybe their fans wouldn't want to see. Now, I'm, of course, talking about Spurs. Uh, they're our first game up. They played Manchester City this weekend. You know, I was just really thinking about, okay, would Spurs fans be cool with that sort of defensive setup? I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see because they seem to. Um, you know, want attack, attack, attack. It's always been that way. But back to this game real quick. Uh, Spurs, what a statement. 2-0 over Manchester City, over a 
really lackluster Man City team. It's got to be said. Yeah, Kyle, you're a Spurs fan, right? I think you've mentioned that before to me once or twice. Is that correct? Maybe like a little passing comment here and there. So you mentioned that Spurs fans might not want to see that more defensive style and you're used to more attack, attack, attack football. Um, Do you care if you're first in the table? Do you care what style of football you're playing? I I don't care. I personally do. I mean, I don't, I'm not opposed to defensive tactics, so maybe that's just a me thing. There are probably other Spurs fans that would feel otherwise. You know, Barca fans are probably the same. They wouldn't want to see defensive tactics. But for me, Spurs don't win shit, and I want to see them win. And so I don't care. And this is coming from someone who hated Mourinho so, uh, before he was my manager. But, yeah, my Jose, manager. this... This this game had Jose written all over it. I mean, Spurs defended in a really deep defensive block. And if you look at the stats, you know, Man City clearly dominated all the all the stat categories, really. But when yeah. you're watching the game, Spurs just wanted to soak up that pressure and hit City on the counter, which they did again and again, even though they only registered two shots on target. I mean, it's a clear strategy we've said throughout this whole season, right, is you see more teams allowing the other team to possess the ball. And that's exactly what Tottenham did. They were happy sitting back, putting at least eight behind the ball at times and saying, hey, City, break us down. We've seen you not be able to score against other teams. Come challenge us and Eric Dyer's army. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't, they couldn't challenge Eric Dyer's army. That couldn't be done. And so you can look at the stats and say, oh, City dominated the game. This is what all the pundits said, right? You know, because Manchester City had 67% possession, 87% passing accuracy, which is pretty high. I mean, we don't mention that stat, but it's you know very high, but they're also passing around the back a lot. Uh, 21 shots, uh, and the expected goals were 1.3 to Tottenham's 0.7. So you look at all those things and say, if you're just living in a vacuum, City should have won. But if you actually watch the game, you could see that Tottenham definitely employed a counterattacking strategy, obviously with Sun scoring that first goal, uh, where the defenders got soaked up into Harry Kane and Sun ran free mm-hmm. past them. They, that was clearly a strategy, clearly playing off Jao Cancelo coming into the middle, playing off the center backs and using Sun's pace to get behind uh, mm-hmm. City center backs. They didn't Great register another shot. Great ball by Ndombele, too, on that, on that Son goal. Absolutely. They didn't register another shot for like 50 or so odd minutes after that. But you know what? There were things, as you talked about, as you mentioned, politely mentioned to me uh, off the air, there were, there were opportunities that Sun had and that Bergvine had that aren't necessarily captured in expected goals. And so it was, clear, it was a clear strategy and it was successful. And you have to give them praise. I mean, it's, it's clear Jose ball, right? It's like Real Madrid against the really, really really good Barcelona teams at the yeah. time. Uh, but it worked, Kyle. Yeah, it did. It did. I mean, this, to me, watching the game, and, you know, I always struggle to take my Spurs hat off, but I genuinely felt like this game could have gone for 90 more minutes, and if anything, Spurs would probably <laughs> increase that lead. Because you're right, I mean, Bergwijn had a chance. Uh, Kane had a disallowed goal where Son really should have taken himself. Son had a terrible touch around... Ederson uh, on a one-on-one. There, there were chances, even though they only registered two shots on target. So, um, I, I feel like Jose completely out-tactic um, 
Pep on this one, and Pep just didn't really seem to have a plan B. You know, they just expect City just expects to create these great opportunities and be really clinical, and they don't really have any kind of um, direct plan B. I know off air you were talking to me a lot about you know what what's going on with the offense, and you suggested they might go, they should probably go long a little more. Um, but you know, I I just wanted to give a quick shout out to players like I can't believe I say this. Uh, Dyer and Hoiberg just seem to really shut down Man City. Uh, Tangi and Dombele loves to play against City too. He tore him up for Leon. Um, huge injury to Toby though. I mean, huge injury to Toby, and it looked like a pretty bad non-contact one. So, you know, finally you're starting to see this defensive partnership between Dyer and Toby, and just like that, it'll probably be ended for about two months at least. So, I don't know where that really puts Spurs with this crazy upcoming schedule i mean they've got chelsea then arsenal then palace then i think liverpool and leicester i mean it's brutal i mean it's brutal for every team right just with the amount of games coming up in december and you're gonna see you're gonna see more injuries across the entire spectrum of the premier league because you have international game you just had international games you're having so many premier league games back to back i mean look at liverpool which we'll get to them in a second but like so many teams are going to face so many mounting injury problems. And so how can depth play a factor? Like it always does in the Premier League, but especially in this upcoming December season. Right. And oh yeah, we have COVID too. And so players get COVID, they can't play for teams right. as well. And with, you know, UK seems to be starting to stabilize a little bit, whereas the US we keep climbing. But, you know, play, more players are going to get COVID or test positive for COVID, right? And so how do teams manage that as well in this right. really thick fixture schedule we have coming up you mentioned city kyle uh we were talking off air about the lack of scoring goals for them and clearly as i mentioned earlier they dominated possession but they didn't really threaten much and part of the tactics kyle as you mentioned is they're not they're not they don't play direct ball and that's obviously a symptom of pet ball is they can't go direct and you know challenge that over the top with pace which they can do i know sterling didn't start this game but they definitely need to utilize that going forward. Hopefully Aguero comes back. Maybe they play a two-striker system with Jesus to try to get some goals flowing in because whatever they're doing with changing, with not changing the formation and not playing direct, teams are just sitting back and saying, score on us, and City are having a hard time doing it. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of like teams are setting up, you know, saying to Kevin De Bruyne, all right, single-handedly unlock us, because City don't have David Silva, who I think is someone that I think pundits and fans of the game are only just starting to talk about maybe City really misses someone like like Silva. You know, we might have just been underplaying his impact for a long time or maybe expecting too much out of Phil Foden, who's even, even though he's been really good so far this season, I think it's asking a lot to you know, ask him to replace David Silva, who has created the most chances in La Liga for Real Sociedad. They're top of the league too, I think. Top of the table, right. Yeah. And hey, in a season where Barca and Madrid aren't looking so good, you never know. But what made all this so weird to me, you know, with City really lacking creativity, City not really looking like they have much energy, what makes this so bizarre to me is that before this game, all the talk was about Pep Guardiola extending his contract. His contract was supposed to end at this at the end of this season, and he extended it for two seasons. And I, that was surprising to me, and it might have surprised some other people as well. I wasn't really sure if 
he would be willing to do a rebuild because I he's never done that in his career. So um, interesting days ahead for Man City because uh, they've had all these great expectations. They finally had signed some really great center backs. But here they are, 13th place with a 3-3-2 record, although they do have a game in hand. Negative goal differential. I mean, if are you worried yet for Man City? I'm worried. I'm not bailing water off the ship because it's sinking yet, but I noticed a leak and the water is coming in. So what do we do? Are we going to combat that early? Is the bilge system going to work or is the boat going to sink, right? So yeah, I'm definitely worried. I see problems. They haven't shown that they've been able to fix them this season. They do have a game in hand. So if they win that game in hand, they're only a few points down. So it's not like they're out of the race by any means because no one's running away with it. But there are a lot of concerns. Yeah, you're right. I think Spurs are only eight points ahead at this point. So really, really not that bad, especially considering the tough run that Spurs have. Um, One of those teams that they play coming up is Liverpool, who, you know, on, on Sunday... We had a lot of debate over what the marquee matchup of this of this weekend was, and Liverpool and Leicester was a really great shout. Um, it wasn't quite as close as everyone thought it'd be, as as I think most would expect it to be with Liverpool's injury crisis. But uh, Justin, what crisis? <laughs> I, I mean, mean Liverpool, Liverpool. I mean, who do, who do they have out right now? Uh, well, just by memory, Trent Alexander Arnold, Virgil Van Dyke. Um, Another center back. Who else? Joe Gomez. Joe Gomez. They had uh, Jordan Henderson didn't play this game. I think uh, Fabinho Mah- only just came back. Right. He just came back. Mohamed Salah, COVID. Uh, another midfielder. Tiago. Uh, Tiago, obviously out. So, yeah. Yes. It's a lot of players. A lot of really, really good players that we just mentioned. And so, you, who I replaced mean, them? Yeah, even though they pulled it. Put Curtis out a Jones team that came had in. like Abby Keita came in who got injured. Uh, Diogo Jota, I mean, yep. he's been starting, but comes in again and produces more goals, which is crazy to say. Crazy. But I mean, he's been wonder signing for them ever since he's come over for Wolves. But yeah, I mean, dominance for. I mean, I expected Green this Hill. game to be a little closer. I'm not surprised that Liverpool won, but goodness, I mean. It's not just that they won three to nil. It was dominant. It was like it was like it's me playing so Kyle in FIFA. You know, where Liverpool <laughs> had some ga- some shots. It even went off the post. Like if you were watching this game live, like there were so many shots that like went off the post. Johnny Evans own goal. Johnny Evans off the post. There's all sorts of craziness around the box. And even though Liverpool only scored two goals of their own, plus the one own goal by Johnny Evans, they had. 3.7 expected goals, which means they could have won this game four or five nil. Kyle, it was a uh, it was Leicester got boat raced and outclassed in every aspect of this game. They they absolutely dominated both, you know, anecdotally just watching the game and according to the stats. I mean, Liverpool peppered the goal. Uh, they just seem like they have so much creativity going forward. I mean, Diogo Jota has just been so good. We'll we'll probably talk a little bit about him some more later. But it was almost like I don't want to say this team didn't miss Mohamed Salah. I mean, you're always going to miss a player like that, but. God, I mean, Firmino finally started playing pretty well. He finally got his goal. It hasn't been the best season for him. Uh, Mane is just a joy to watch. Definitely one of the best players in the world, uh, in the league especially. Um, but they just had creativity. James Milner at right back did a really solid job. I mean, Professional performance, Kyle. 
I, I like how can you not like James Milner? I don't that guy just like cracks me up even though he seems so bland. But um <laughs> his, <laughs> I don't know. I love the dude. He's gotta be like thirty six at this point. But uh yeah, Jota now, four goals in the Premier League, and that's just not even considering the goals he scored in the Champions League. I mean he scored a hat trick against mm-hmm. Atalanta, I think. Atalanta, it was. yeah. A game we uh so predicted, right? Uh, what a signing man what a signing yeah and so moving over to Leicester for a second now I mean it's gonna happen where you lose to big teams that's inevitable I mean they they smoked Man City early in the year Leicester did and this is they're gonna be disappointed in this one they had a lot of defensive lapses they tried to play um they they didn't play with any aggression they tried to play with five in the back which is something that they don't against the better teams, I would say. Or, I'm sorry, against the worst teams, the teams that they're, they should beat. Um, Who they always do beat. You know, they, they always do seem to beat the teams that they're better than. Right, right. And, that I mean, that's hard to do in the Premier League, too. And so credit to them, you know. So, But this was not their day. Jamie Vardy, Harvey Barnes, they couldn't connect that final pass. They did have some counterattacking opportunities. They really did. But they just could not connect that final ball, and the cutbacks weren't on. James Madison wasn't as sharp as he normally is. I mean, he hasn't really played a full game. He's, as we've mentioned before, right. he keeps coming off the bench. So, you know, I think there are better days ahead for Leicester. Their next three aren't super challenging, so I think they'll get off to the schneid really quickly. But it's going to be one that they're going to look back on the tape and be really disappointed that they couldn't generate more of those counterattacking opportunities because if they were able to get shots off of those, then I think this could have been a different game. No doubt. Not a good day at the office. All right, Kyle, it's the time for rapid fire. Yes, sir. All right, Kyle, first game that we're going to cover in rapid fire, Newcastle nil, Chelsea 2. But it didn't even feel that close, Kyle. No, Chelsea were in total cruise control. I feel like they never even really got out of first gear. This just seemed easy to them. I mean, both on the eye and statistically, Chelsea dominated possession. 71% had three times as many passes. You know, they did have a limited amount of shots, all things considered, but that just shows how how deep Newcastle sat in this game. Yeah, Edward Mendy, one save. Yeah, had nothing to do. I mean, uh, what was he counting blades of grass back there? I yeah, mean, just seeing how nothing. timing how quickly Timo Werner could could sprint through ten of the players. I mean, Werner, man, just whenever he sees open field, he just attacks it so well. He's his pace is electric. Uh, he's been a great signing so far. Thiago Silva did not play this game, but clearly didn't really... Didn't need him against game. Newcastle. I mean, when they saw Jolinton on the start sheets, like, hey, let's throw uh, Billy McGee, 15-year-old from the practice squad on there. No problem. Yeah. Yep, yep. A uh, huge, huge game for Chelsea next week up against Spurs. So that's definitely one to watch mm. out for. Definitely one yeah, to watch those, out those for. teams can get a little feisty, too, going back over the last decade of matches and, or so. Yeah. yeah, looking forward to that one. Newcastle, no Callum Wilson, no party. And Jolinton means absolutely everyone is grounded. And so, no goals. Yeah, no no goals. goals for them. Negative expected goals when Jolinton's your striker. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the next game, Aston Villa played Brighton, Kyle. And Brighton coming away with the victory in a very, uh, very entertaining, dramatic match. 
Yeah, you got to say it was it was an entertaining match between two sides that are playing pretty well. I mean, I know Bryden haven't really gotten the results that their play is warranted this season, but two great goals from Brighton. Danny Welbeck. Danny back Welbeck. From the dead. Back from the dead with a nice chip over um over the villa keeper. Uh Martinez has been great so far. Also a really nice goal by Sully March as well. So, a pretty Pretty even game, you gotta say. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say, fairly even game, and Aston Villa thought they had uh, opportunity at the end there to make it two to two, but alas, they did not. And Brighton actually getting a win after playing so well for so many mm-hmm. so many games, they actually get a win from it. Manchester United, Kyle's favorite team, go plays West Brom and wins against Barcode FC one nil. Kyle. Can we just talk about those West Brom jerseys? I mean, man, I think that's the only thing we say about the team, and that's really the only thing our audience needs to know about West Brom, which Albion is that their normal jersey, their their home jerseys are the best ones, and that should tell you everything. <laughs> yes. And they all look like barcodes, just with progressively uglier colors. But yeah, it's uh, like back- bad. It's bad yeah. colors to want to be Norwich, and then it's like want to be puke. Honestly, yeah, that's the, the three. What the hell? But uh, really, all there is to say, <laughs> actually, there is a huge talking point in this game, but Manchester United totally dominated this match. They deserved it. Uh, they far exceeded West Brom's expected goals. A really, really spicy and controversial VAR call on this one. I mean, United got a penalty through VAR call. You got to say, it was a handball. It was correct. Mm-hmm. But West Brom was actually awarded a penalty, and the call was reversed because it was decided that Bruno Fernandez actually got the ball in his tackle. He barely nicked it, but we've seen that in some calls so far this season. If if you barely touch the pl- the ball and then completely clean out the player, um, that's considered a tackle now in the VAR days. Kind of bizarre. Brutal, but 1-0 for United against the crap club. Let's see what they do when they play a Premier League team. Next game, Kyle Fulham played Everton, and actually a very entertaining match where Everton won 3-2. Uh, DCL, another game, another goal, Kyle. Two goals, I think, right? Yeah. Didn't he have two goals? Yeah. One of them was kind of a fluky goal, but hey, the really good strikers get those. He has 10 goals uh, so far this season. That, Crazy. Who would ever thought? Most in the league, um, with Son not far behind, but great season so far. Um, but Everton, was they looked a little different this game. Ancelotti deployed five at the back, and um, they actually utilized that pretty well. They were good going forward at the wingbacks, but they're just not solid defensively. They're not. No, no, a lot to be desired there. And Fulham, Kyle, while <laughs> gave up three goals, showed a... Was that... Man, I'm squinting. I think that was some quality on the Fulham team. Dare I say quality on Fulham? Yeah, I, you're, you're totally right. Lookman looked good. Um, we all know what... Um, Loftus Cheek can do. Mitrovic, even though he looks like a sausage, isn't a terrible player. Uh, Fulham also missed a penalty in this one as well. I think uh, Cavalero slipped on his standing foot. I just, ah, man. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. Everton, another three points, and uh, back to their winning ways. Moving to Sheffield, Kyle, losing 1-0 to West Ham. If you haven't seen, this might be the goal of the week, Kyle, from Sebastian Haller. Yeah. Yeah, it might be. I mean, I can't even remember the last time Holler scored or even started for West Ham, but here he is because Mikel Antonio, who's not just, who doesn't love Mikel Antonio? Um, he was out through injury. So Haller, you know, hits a really nice goal with his instep from outside the 18. Great goal. Uh, Sheffield United, 
what more can you say? If you score on Sheffield at this point, game you know, over. They're toast. I don't know. Are you worried? Oh man, you have to be super worried. I mean, through nine games, they've scored four goals. That's not sustainable. I'm sorry. That's a that's a losing formula. Yeah, not good. Not, not good. good for Sheffield. Uh, Leeds Arsenal, Kyle, nil nil in a game. Leeds United is going to be really disappointed that they not come away with the win in this one. Absolutely. You got to start with the positive on this one and talk about Leeds. They were really, really unlucky. I think they hit the bar three times through, uh, I think, Rodrigo once, Rafinha, Rafinha, I think. Uh, They had far greater expected goals on this one as well, if you're a fan of XG. Uh, Quick shout out real quick to two players. Rafinha, who I this is my first time really seeing him. Man, he looks like a player right there. And Rodrigo. You got to say he's probably the the team's best player. He's just yeah, he's been missing for Leeds for the past few weeks with the COVID di- designation and getting back into fitness. And so that team, I mean, they're just more dynamic with Bamford, Rafinha, uh, Jack Harrison, all in there for them. Cal- uh, Calvin Phillips is back for Leeds now yep. too. And so, the, I mean, as we've said, they're going to be an exciting team, topsy turvy. But I mean, they're going to stay up. I mean, look at the quality that they have. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, they they just bullied Arsenal on this one. And talking about Arsenal, um, you got to say, first things first, this game totally changed when Nicolas Pepe, their record signing, decided to headbutt uh, Alioski, I think it was. I don't know what mm-hmm. the hell he's... I mean, of course Alioski goes down. You made a meal of bloody, it, but... bloody murder, but come on, you, you know you can't do that, Pepe, which, wow, what a flop so far. What a flop. 72 million pounds. Yeah, I mean, a flop on the kind of a flop on the play and then a flop signing for Pepe, too. I mean, 72 million for that. I mean, you could argue that Erling Holland for Borussia Dortmund for 20 million was a lot better. Uh, but besides that, not mentioning my favorite team and all. Yeah, I mean, it's been disappointing. Disappointing for Arsenal all around nine goals and nine games. I mean, we just mentioned DCL has 10 goals. So obviously Everton have more one player. You could name Spurs players that are equaling that production as well. And so, you know, is Arteta doing enough? Is it the players? Is it their, Is it the style? Like, what's going on? Because Aubameyang was a prolific scorer for years and years yeah. and years now. And now it's just been a sack of disappointment. So not sure what's happening there, but... It's bizarre. I mean, Aubameyang was my pick to, you know, claim the golden boot and score the most goals this season. He's had seven shots on target all season, two goals, one of which is a penalty. Yeah, it kind of makes you scratch your head what's going on here. The expected goals is low. I mean, Arsenal just, they look blunt. It looks like they lack an attacking center mid, which I can't remember any point in my life where that's been the case. Yeah, they don't. if only they had Mezu Ozil as a center attacking mid to come in and play. Uh, Burnley versus Crystal Palace. Burnley getting their first win of the season. Chris Wood goal gives Burnley that win. Um, great success. <laughs> Say no more. Um, all I'll add about Palace is no Zaha, no party. I mean, really. Whenever they yeah, miss I mean, him, they, they miss their cutting edge. They miss their drive. They miss their danger man. Yeah. I mean, Palace, when you score early on them and force them to actually retain the ball, it's a totally different story where when they can pull a Tottenham and just sit back and counter. And so, yeah, it's uh, that's the strategy. Score early. Easier said than done, I'm sure, though. 
Uh, Wolves Southampton last game that was the Monday afternoon game for us over on the West Coast one one. You know, I don't have a lot of thoughts on this game. As as good as that game was, Kyle, I don't like come away from that thinking anything different. Besides, they're both probably top ten teams this season. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, when you say something like that, it almost sounds like a slant on these teams or on this game. That's not the case. It's just you know, this only confirmed what both you and I think about these teams. A lot of quality. Uh, both play good stuff, but they're both solid at the back. And that's it for all the games. But you know, it's crazy, Justin. I was thinking. Nine games played, that's already about a quarter of the season gone, and I know it's early days and it's way too early to call anything anything significant, but I think it'd be fun to give out some early season awards. Alright, first up for our early season awards, it's never a bad place to start with best player the mvp so far this season and i'll get us started on this one it's impossible to look past harry kane nine games played seven goals nine assists he creates so much for the whole team him dropping deep and creating space for son to run into has been the core of spurs success going forward this season i don't think anyone expected him to be able to take his game to another level quite like he has under Mourinho. but it's been a joy to watch uh, Harry Kane, for me, has easily been the best player so far this season. My player of the season was Ollie Watkins. I mean, six goals in eight games. What more can you ask for? He's, I mean, coming from a Brentford side in the championship, coming over and really leading the line from a team that relied on Wesley. So you could you could talk on and on and on and on, but I'll keep it short. Ollie Watkins, player of the season. All right, Kyle, we're going to move on to sad player, which is just like the most disappointing (laughs) player uh, throughout this young Premier League season. And I'm sure you'll be happy about this. I'm going to choose an Arsenal FC player, and that is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Actually, you could choose a lot of Arsenal players, but Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, two goals in nine games, played almost the entirety of all nine games, one goal from open play in the opening, 0.22 expected goals per 90, including the penalty. So... He's not creating chances. He's not finishing chances. And for a striker making big money off his new contract, it's just not good enough for an Arsenal team that aspires to be Champions League, Kyle. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. I'm personally shocked. He was Aubameyang was my pick for top scorer this season, but he's not getting in these good positions. He also doesn't really have much service, so maybe there's maybe this is a little harsh, but you know, when you're paid like that and when you're a player like Aubameyang, you got to do better. Uh, my pick, you know, according to our expectations has got to be Paul Pogba. Mm. I know he hasn't played a few games, but he's been pretty non-existent all league the, the entire season. And he's presenting a problem with Donny Vandebeek coming in, who's a great player who can't even get into the team. And, you know, when Pogba is the reason that he's being left out, that that's an issue because he is given, he's given me nothing, honestly, which is disappointing. Moving on to best team, Kyle. Who is it? Who are you, who are you going to choose? Is it you're going to shock me or surprise me, or you're going to come with the you're going to come out swinging with your homer? No, uh, no, no shocks here. And I think this is going to be the end of end of me being a homer. But come on, man, you got to go Spurs. They're top of the table. You know they've they've tied. played some good. I mean they've played both Manchester clubs. All their tough games are to come. But um, when you consider where this team was just three or four months ago. Um, They've made great progress in a short amount of time. And, and Mourinho, I don't know. 
I, I didn't like Mourinho coming into this. I know a lot of Spurs fans didn't, but I think you, if you're a Spurs fan, you got to be liking what Mourinho's doing. So uh, Spurs, they just look solid, and I think they'll only get more solid. We'll see if they can continue to score the goals, though. Who do you got? Yeah, yeah, nothing, uh, nothing to defute there. Um, I'm gonna go with Champ, Kyle, Southampton. They <laughs> have been, you know, they started off rough. They lost their opening game against Crystal Palace, who played better. They got boat raced by your by your team Spurs, but after that, I mean, they've responded quite well, winning, drawing one and winning the rest. I mean, they're playing some decent teams in Everton, Aston Villa, etc., and. They've defeated them all, tied Chelsea, and so they've they've beat some good teams or tied good teams. And to say that about a squad that you know routinely just sells its best players and to come back and be top of the Premier League and challenging and having Danny Ings and Che Adams find their form and James Ward Prowse be really good that that's really impressive. So you know they might not get another award the entire season, so they have to get it for now. So good shout, good shout. Moving on to sad team, Kyle. So same theme as best player and worst player. Now we're going to go with the most disappointing team. I'll start this one out, and no surprise here. I'm just going to go right to the bottom of the table. Sheffield United, Kyle. No one expected, I mean, we expected them to have more struggles this season than last season. But Chris Wilder's bunch is really disappointing. They can't score a goal to save their lives, Kyle. They have four goals this entire season. And when you score at that clip, you're just you're just not a Premier League team. Yeah, no. It's, if you that's if, it. They're if you struggle terrible. to score that much, you're you're struggling to stay up that season. And uh, you know, last it's a good shout because last season they kept a lot of clean sheets and they just haven't been able to do that this season. It's really right, disappointing. Right. Really disappointing. Uh, for me, I'm not going to be a homer on this one. Uh, but I just got to look over to Manchester and go with Manchester City. I know they've. Dealt with some injuries, you know, not having Aguero's hurt them. But how much can you rely on a 32-year-old striker who has been kind of on the decline for maybe a year, maybe two years is harsh. But uh, Jesus has been out, you know, De Bruyne was nursing an injury early on. But Pep spent a lot of money again. Pep re-signed, which I didn't expect. And, I mean, the amount of money they're spending on these defenders, I thought it would solve the problem. But... Lo and behold, that's not even the issue. It's going forward and creating chances, which is bizarre. And I'm mainly picking Man City because the energy doesn't seem right. The the chemistry doesn't seem right. And that's really concerning. And it's it's kind of troubling when you don't really know. You can't put a finger on exactly what the issue is because there are multiple issues. And um, I know it's early days, so Man City could turn up next week and just smash someone they probably will now that i said this but i gotta go city moving on to best signing kyle so this is the best player that it has a new team this season who is that for you well there are a lot of good options on this and mm-hmm. this was our this is my toughest one to pick personally it was There's tough like four was players because i think it's going to be unfair to leave out a few of these players you know i was toying with the idea of 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 Hoiberg, of course, but oh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a homer here. Right. Um, but I was thinking about who has made the greatest impact on their team, maybe, you know, standing up against what was expected. And Diogo Jota has just completely mm-hmm. over-exceeded all expectations. I mean, how do you break into a forward line like that? Jota has somehow managed to, and has even forced Klopp to, like, change the way his team 
is set up and he's played all four of them up up top and so i gotta go jota it i can't believe it's money well spent because we were all saying he was way overpriced when it happened um you know they're talking about Werner going to liverpool and they got jota so it could have seemed disappointing but man the dude is just killing it and he looks perfect for liverpool delivered and is thriving under Klopp's system yeah i mean i think i agree with everything you said another player that has been really good, maybe 1B for me, if you will, is Ollie Watkins on Aston Villa, Kyle. Oh, that's a good one. Coming in from the championship from Brentford, team, I told you, preseason, they had a lot of good players that are going to come to the Premier League now. And six goals in eight games for them, beating Liverpool, big reason why, leading the line for a team that had Wesley up there, no, yeah. no presence, no pace beforehand, and... Now that Jack Grealish doesn't have to do everything on that team, they have Ross Barkley, they have Trezeguet on the wide, Bertrand Traore, et cetera, and Grealish, and they have someone, a target man, to link that all up and to deliver balls to. That's just huge, and he's delivered in any in every sense of the word. And so I have to go Ollie Watkins for this award. I think, like you said, Timo Werner, um, there are a few new incoming players. Chelsea, they just haven't quite had enough yeah. games edward mendy you could argue as well so well tiago silva they've all been good so they, you, there's a host of players here but i would say jota and then watkins for us here uh last one best manager award so who has done the best job navigating this early covid season i'll start this one again i'm going to go to champ here these are probably the only awards they're going to get so they need to relish them i'm going to go hassan hutel i mean the way that the players can back you and you can respond after a 9-0 drubbing to Leicester City, bottom of the Premier League last season, come back and finish comfortably like 14th or something, which is a miracle considering where they were at the time. And then this season, getting boat raced 5-2, to two, two losses and two, not looking great, and then coming back and being unbeaten and looking really good since then. I think that's just a testament to the the effect that that manager has on the players and the players really playing for somebody and, you know, tactically doing what you can with a team that always sells their best players to other teams. And so just that fact, I think he's done a great job navigating this early season, Kyle. Yeah, that's a really good, that's a really good call. I mean, they, they score goals. They're so well set up and, you know, watching this last game against Wolves, the, the defensive line they were holding was just, you could tell how much, uh, they're really listening to Hassan Hoodle. So that's a good one. But uh, I'm going to go Jurgen Klopp, mm. uh, especially considering all of the adversity that he's had to face. I mean, man, I struggle to think of this bad of an injury crisis that a team has had. And probably most recently it was Spurs last season at one point. But this is his whole defense was out, more or less. I mean, Robertson did end up playing, but... Uh, just the adversity that they've had to face. Um, you know, Klopp has been there five or six years now. You'd think maybe that his tactics and the way they train really intensely would sort of lose its luster to its players, but no. I mean, the pressing might not be quite the same because they're all a little older, but Klopp has been clever enough to slightly change the way they play. And, um, you know, it's making it seem like that Aston Villa smacking 7-2 to is just a complete blip um and won't happen again and it doesn't seem like it'll happen again so i I commend klopp for navigating um this season which has been really challenging for liverpool
All right, Kyle, as we do every Champions League week, we hand out our picks. We're just going to go quick this time and just give you our scores real quick. Um, but just for those of you keeping track at home, we're giving points for if we get the correct scores or not. Well, all we're going to say is last week was really rough for us. And so we're, we're just going to say we're tied 8-8 eight to eight right now going into this week. And we'll just go in order. Ren versus Chelsea. First one tomorrow. Who you got, Kyle? Oof. In this one, I, I, I'm trying to put my myself in Frank Lampard's shoes. He's got to look forward to Spurs. So I think they're going to rest a lot of players and draw 1-1 to Ren. Who you got? I think it doesn't matter, and they're going to win 2-0 still despite resting some players. I mean, they're not playing Kepa, they're, so they're, who's going to score on them? That's true. Uh, mo- moving on, Manchester United versus Istanbul. I think United's going to avenge their loss with a Bruno uh, Penandez penalty and <laughs> win 1-0. Kyle, who you got? I just couldn't resist something spicy on this one, and I'm going to go a 2-1 loss. To assemble the stock to here, I all, you know, all United are so hot and cold. I can't seem to follow up two wins, uh, uh, win back to back. So Ollie Sack Race uh, meter heating up after that. Uh, Olympiacos hosting Manchester City. Kyle, is City going to get the win here? They are, they are, and I keep on predicting in these Champions League games that City is going to come out and just blow away a team, finally show up and just score bo- uh, like just a bag of goals. No, I think it's going to be kind of tight. I'm going to go 2-0 City with the Ferran Torres double. Ooh, double from Ferran. a brace for Ferran Torres. Yeah. I'm going to go 3-1 to one City. I think this is one that mm, lackluster Olympiaco side. City finally get off the schneid a little bit. Aguero's going to get some minutes, I think, in this game. And hopefully we see some goals. And yeah. lastly, Kyle, Liverpool hosting Atalanta. We both had some spicy takes last time we predicted this game. Does Atalanta pull the upset? Well, you just mentioned hopefully we get goals in City Olympiacos, but this is a game where I think we'll get goals. And we got it last time, uh, but all from Liverpool (laughs) 5-0. Who would expect that? But Atalanta is great going forward, and I expect this one to be more representative of that. I'm going to go 2-2 draw Liverpool and Atalanta. Mm. I think they're going to struggle with all their injuries to this insane pressing you know, high-octane style Atalanta has. Close. I have a very similar result, but I have 2-1 Liverpool. I think they're just going to squeak by, and I think Atalanta is going to create a lot of chances, but somehow Liverpool's duct tape backline is going to save the day and get the job for them. So we differ on quite a bit of games here, unlike last week. So somebody has to be winning, right? (laughs) Yeah. We're not going to be tied by the end of next week. So just got to shake it up a little bit and be spicy. So... You know, I'm, I'm, especially United losing, that would just be hilarious, no matter if my head is telling me one thing, my heart's telling me another, but it should be interesting. Any, uh, any last words for our audience? That's all we have for this week. Uh, just don't expect too much in Champions League. This round and last round were pretty unexciting. I don't know, no mm-hmm. real sexy matchups, so... Um, I'm sure if you're a Premier League fan like me, I'm more looking forward to next weekend because uh, some big matchups, big matchups. Absolutely. What about you? I'm gonna give my, I'm gonna give our viewers some free viewers some free two bonus picks right now that are outside the Premier League. First one, Dortmund over uh, Club Bruges, eleven to zero, and the second one, <laughs> uh, Seattle Sounders in the MLS. Kyle host LAFC in the in the playoffs of the MLS and I'm going to go two to one Sounders. 
in that matchup. Got to support the home team. Sounders of the two seed, LAFC the seven seed, without Carlos Vela, right? Uh, with Carlos Vela, without Golden Boot winner Diego Rossi, um, it looks like. Okay. So we'll see what happens there. But for Kyle, we wish you a happy Thanksgiving, safe stay-at-home travels, if you will. And we will see you next week talking about all the spicy Premier League matchups. Take care.